Welcome to the Enlightened Practice Podcast, brought to you by the Luminello Electronic Medical Record folks. Here are your hosts, Dr. Ken Braslow and Dr. Carrie Kagan. Hey, Carrie. Today we have um, a question from a clinician who's just starting out and they're asking about setting up a remote practice. And they're wanting us to think about what are all the uh, things they need to be thinking about as they set up a remote practice. So, um, a very relevant topic. Yes. So, um, I think there's different things we could talk about physical equipment, setting up your space, policies that go around it, technology that goes around it. Yeah. Yeah. Things to review with clients in terms of their space and what can create a safe and comfortable environment over video or at home, wherever they're going to be. Those sound like the important things to cover. Okay. Uh, Well, what would you like to take first? Uh, Or do you want me to go first? I think, yeah, starting with like physical equipment, right? Like what are you actually going to be using to conduct video calls or remote calls? So Mm -hmm. obviously one option is to have a device that allows for video, (laughs) like computer, Mm -hmm. iPad. Well, what do you use actually for your video calls? So I use my MacBook Pro Mm -hmm. and I have a pair of headphones that would plug into my phone. And I think I cannot emphasize enough the importance of a good quality internet connection. Sometimes mm-hmm. our patients and clients struggle with that on their end. Uh, but it, the least we can do is ensure a good connection on our end. So I use something called the power line adapter, which is a piece of um, equipment you plug in at your Wi-Fi base station and then uh, across your office or house, if there's a big distance between the Wi-Fi and where you're at, you plug the second power line adapter. They both plug into the wall. And so the Wi-Fi is taken through the wiring in your um, building. Then I have a router that comes out um, right from the wall, right next to my laptop. So I have essentially my own um, hotspot right next to my laptop. Yeah, I think having a good internet connection is critical when you're working from we, I um, upgraded our Wi-Fi. So it was like 15 extra dollars more a month. But given that my practice is entirely remote right now, um, it felt like an investment that's definitely worth it. And it has actually really improved the connection. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I also use uh, a MacBook Pro, but I do always have my phone nearby because I've also noticed that mm-hmm. some clients prefer to switch to um, phone calls as opposed to video calls if for some reason they can't be at their computer. So I do always have a backup option um, to be able to you know, conduct therapy remotely. So video isn't the only option. I do personally uh, prefer to see the client, but at times I think phone can be pretty convenient too and, and effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another that's option a really for good remote. Point. Yeah. And occasionally the Wi-Fi will drop for no good reason Yes, and being able to pick up the phone and have the, um, your client's phone number right there, uh, is so important, um, to be able to yeah. keep the continuity within the session going. Yeah, um, exactly. 
if I'm meeting a new patient over uh, video, I will start off by um, talking with them a little bit about video itself and just that it, it's not the same as being in the office, um, but we'll do our best and um, that they should really let me know if the connection is breaking up on their end or not optimal uh, because I don't know how that couldn't but affect their first impressions and their level of comfort with talking with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also uh, ask them for their phone number because sometimes the phone number they put in their paperwork is not the phone number that they have right next to them. So right. I jot that down at the beginning of our um, sessions uh, if it's a new intake. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I do the same trying to, as best I can, trying to preemptively discuss the potential issues that we might encounter over uh, when when using remote options for therapy um, so that we can, you know, we have a plan in place basically to deal with those issues if we need to. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And actually, so part of of that conversation I have with clients then, you know, uh, covers the space that we're going to be in. So I think, you know, for them not exactly knowing where I am besides the little, like, you know, couple inches on either side of me that they see on video and same for them. I I like to reassure them that I'm in a confidential space, Mm. um, in a quiet space. That being said, since so many of us are working from home right now, I do also like to inform clients that they might hear a noise from time to time. Um, Just again, that's part of the like preemptive conversations I like to have to, to just prepare them. So if something were to come up or they were to hear a noise that it wouldn't, um, you know, we wouldn't be dealing with it for the first time necessarily, or talking about it for the first time when it happens. And, and I also like to know where clients are, um, both from the standpoint of encouraging them to find a place that they feel comfortable um, talking openly. And sometimes that's in the car. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that's um, in a bedroom or whatever it is, but I do, you know, I think an important part of doing remote therapy is having, you know, a safe place to talk. So um, that's something I talk with them also just from, um, from an ethical standpoint, I do like to know the address of where a client is. So in the case that there's an emergency, I would be able to, um, to get help to wherever they are. So I, I ask them, uh, if they're going to be at their home, then I, you know, just, I can, I'll just assume that, and I have that address in their chart. And then if for some reason they're not there, I'll ask them to let me know where they are just in case there's any kind of emergency, whether it's a mental health emergency or even just a random medical emergency mm-hmm. that happens when we're talking. And that's for uh, new intakes or for uh, all sessions that you do that? For It's something I cover in, a, in an intake session and then... Um, we'll revisit if they're in a new location. Like I'll ask them to let me know that today, you know, mm-hmm. they're at their parents' house instead of their house or something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. That's a good point. One of the things I have clients do um, is, or I try to have them do is to test their own Wi-Fi uh, before we meet and to reboot their computer and maybe even their Wi-Fi itself. I just... Um, hate for us to use up session time on anything other than 
why they're there in the first place. Um, one of the things I see my patients do frequently is walk and talk, which is perhaps a nice feature uh, compared to having to sit on the couch in the office, but makes for a horrible experience, at least on my end with the, um, the picture breaking up. Um, mm -hmm. And so I talk with them about finding a comfy location that they can actually just stay seated in for the duration of our session and to um, get whatever um, microphone or other headphones, it's typically headphones that I want them mm -hmm. to be able to have if they want them and not to have to like go hunt for them for a few minutes at the beginning of our session. Yeah. I also think I don't, when I'm meeting, I don't need to wear headphones, but I choose to put them on because I think it sends a good message to the patient that, I, they know at least nobody else can hear um, what they're telling me. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's why I go the headphone route. Right. Uh, what about the background? Uh, some mm -hmm. uh, clinicians um, don't, they, they literally want the blank canvas, uh, blank mm -hmm. slate, um, and others uh, don't want to have to, um, do anything other than just be present. And if you're in an office, it's never like a blank wall behind you. I think most of the time clinicians yeah. have some sort of decoration in their office. So what's your take on the background uh, that patients see behind you? Yeah. Well, I think that it's depends. I think uh, sometimes it's just a matter of, um, you know, the setup in your home, like you kind of just have to be wherever there's space, in which case, um, you know, just, uh, um, I think that it's, you know, more about just finding the space than like making it a certain or like trying to find the perfect background. But I think the things that I consider lighting, um, I personally like to have, um, a, I don't mind if, if, clients see a little bit of like something in the background that might reveal something like for example my background is windows which isn't always the best for lighting but it mm -hmm. happens to I try to adjust by by having lighting that corrects for the lighting behind me but for me I like it happens to be both a spot that pretty much is the only spot I can be in in my house but also you know it, it's like a serene background and so yeah like it reveals that I live in a place where there's trees outside my window but I think you know I'm it's usually actually a talking point with clients they say oh the trees look so nice and I think um um you know I think it's the consideration should be where are you comfortable in your own home um something that's like relatively nice to look at for clients mm -hmm. um and lighting just to make sure that like practically they can see you mm -hmm. what about you so i happen to have a uh my office is just set up that there's a blank wall behind me so i keep it pretty um bland in that sense but that's not how my uh, when i was in the office that's not how it actually looked um there are room dividers 
screen dividers that you can buy on Amazon and put behind yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so I guess that would be an option if you really didn't want clients or patients to see anything behind you, but you didn't have the option of a blank wall per se. Right. Yeah, okay. that's right. These are really, um, these are really important um, things to be covering. What about like policies for your patients or clients? Do you have them do a telehealth consent form? Um, do you do anything different um, administratively? I do have a separate consent form that's for, for telehealth. And I believe that there are samples that you can find online or potentially can, um, you know, pull from some a consent form that a colleague might have. Um, um, I believe the things that are covered in there um, are, confidentiality um, and specifically like the confidentiality of the actual video platform that it's HIPAA compliant. So clients don't have to worry about um, someone listening <laughs> in on mm -hmm. conversations over video. Um, and I think, yeah, the old, other than, than just covering that, uh, the only other unique um, policy thing that changes a little bit for video compared to when I'm meeting people in person is just um, what I was talking about earlier, which is me wanting to know from them where they're physically located so I can get help mm -hmm. if needed. Um, um, but all my policies are the same otherwise. Um, what about you? Uh, yeah, I... Um, I agree. There's not much different other than that uh, there is a, a risk um, when you're not in the office and that somehow the technology could lead to some uh, privacy issues. Um, but no, I don't, I don't make a big deal out of it. And the platform I use is HIPAA compliant as it is. Um, so less worried about that. Although some patients uh, will really want to just use FaceTime. Um, they don't want to use mm -hmm. any other particular platform. And uh, at least right now, even though FaceTime isn't HIPAA compliant, it's um, has a waiver so that it can be used. Uh, and I guess we'll have to revisit um, how, how well we can or cannot use that once the waiver is lifted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the other thing I was just thinking about is, um, uh, I will kind of be a little bit more, you know, usually in, in my, um, um, when I'm reviewing policies with clients, I'll talk about, you know, the, the benefits, the potential benefits and, and risks of, therapy, you know, that sometimes things can get harder. And so I will talk about that more specifically as it relates to video therapy, that there are, you know, a lot of benefits, but there could be downsides. And just to kind of point those out and encourage clients to, to bring that up to me if they're finding that um, 
it's not working for some reason, or they're not feeling like I'm understanding their experience somehow. If, if, um, and if technology is playing a role in that, then we might um, consider referring them to someone who is, who is meeting people in person. Um, so that is something I'll, I'll talk about that while video usually is, is an equivalent alternative, there are certain cases that it, it doesn't work as well, in which case let's have an open dialogue, uh, an ongoing dialogue mm-hmm. about that. I think that's a really good point. I really feel for patients whose Wi-Fi is not particularly good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I might have a whole series of patients during the day where the picture was perfect and I will periodically do a speed test just to make sure that my Wi-Fi is hanging in there. And then somebody where the connection is crummy and I've got to assume it's their Wi-Fi. And since all day mine was um, doing just fine. And that I, I, even though my Wi-Fi might be okay, it's hard for me sometimes to follow them if their Wi-Fi isn't great and how that adds extra layer in the experience that it raises my anxiety a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if I'm missing anything. And so what must it be like on their end if right. the clinician is breaking up um, and will right. they even tell us, will they be yeah. embarrassed or ashamed or just think it's our Wi-Fi? And yeah. not really, <laughs> there's so many yeah. uh, components uh, or uh, right. bottlenecks in this process. Yes. That's another extra element. Yeah. So I will pause a session at times and say, you know, that mm-hmm. Wi-Fi isn't so great. Um, is that your experience right. also? Yeah. And um, occasionally I've had people either just refresh their screen uh, or hang up and call right back. And often that helps, but not always. And then I say, let's just switch to phone and mm-hmm. I just call them right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many things to think through. I'm curious, how do you feel now that we've all been working remotely all, for several months? Mm-hmm. How would you how how would you rate the overall experience, and how and how do you think your patients feel about it? So I had a peculiar uh, setup uh, before COVID, which was that there was construction in the building next door to my building for about four months with jackhammers. So (laughs) on day one, uh, appointment one of the jackhammering, I was done (laughs) Uh, with my (laughs) office, even though it wasn't even my building, but it was horrific. Um, I, I literally just went home after that yeah. first patient and told all my oh, patients yeah. the rest of the day, we've got to meet over video. And I, I had been doing that a little bit. I had been dabbling in it. And so yeah. I just went to full-time video. So I've been doing hundred percent video for about a year now. And mm-hmm. I would say that there have been some real hidden advantages that I wouldn't have even thought about. For example, working with kids and adolescents is really challenging for parents to get kids to appointments after school. And now it's just not as big a deal. Uh, Mm -hmm. Kids are already home. Um, So the commute aspect has been really wonderful. I would have patients travel quite some distance to come see me. And now they are like, I'm never going to see you again. You know, it's too easy. And why would you want to have that commute? 
So I like that that's opened up um, some possibilities. I would say some patients really just want in-person and I don't blame them and we'll get there eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, But from a practice management point of view, being able to have your commute be 10 seconds um, is mm-hmm. um, allows me to see more patients than if I were uh, hopping on the train every day. So mm-hmm. there's some real value in that also. And I can see yeah. um, after uh, we can go back to the office that some clinicians um, might just say, I don't do that anymore. And I can see some clients or patients saying, why would I ever go to somebody's office if I don't need to? Um, Mm -hmm. Video is just too easy. Mm -hmm. What's your take? Yeah. Yeah. I feel exactly the same that there's, it's highly convenient. And I think most people prefer it, I would even say, at least Mm -hmm. the clients I'm seeing for the reasons you, you already mentioned, the convenience, the yeah, like um, it's, and it still feels, um, it, our relationship still feels good and strong over video. It doesn't impede um, the therapeutic work. So I think that coupled with the convenience, I can definitely see this um, being at least, you know, 50%, if not more of my practice going forward, when, uh, you know, whenever, if slash when we are able to go back to in person. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, of course, I do think that there are stuff for some people, um, it's not the right fit, in which case, I think going back to in person will be really great. Um, but I would say that despite all the tech glitches that come up every so often and the Wi-Fi issues and some of the inconveniences of it, I would say the benefits in the convenience outweigh the few times that it it's uh, a bit of a bumpy road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's fantastic. I, just the cost in office rent yeah. uh, is going to drive a lot of people to uh, stay home or at least maybe only go in on a couple of days a week and then to sublet out your space or to only need to sublet. And so it definitely will keep costs down. I would say on the prescribing end, there's a couple of things I've noticed that are more challenging. I cannot Mm -hmm. take anybody's blood pressure, which is um, useful to do uh, for certain classes of medication. So I will just tell them you need to go buy a blood pressure cuff and we're gonna take it in session um, Mm -hmm. or send it to me right after session um, as if we were in the office. Um, For certain patients, I would do an AIMS exam if they're on um, class of meds that are antipsychotics, which really you can still do over video, except there's one part of it where you're uh, moving their um, arm at their elbow to f- see if there's any um, rigidity uh, in their muscles there. And I clearly can't do that. Um, so that's impacting practice a little bit. Um, uh, but just like you said, with that either occasional technological glitches or occasional just, uh, these aren't glitches, they're just not possible, at least in the 21st century, uh, to do these things through video. I still think the overwhelming experience um, has been you know, positive. 
Yeah. I got one last question for you. Um, do you take notes uh, while, when you were in the office, did you ever take mm -hmm. notes um, while your client is in front of you? And how has that changed over video? Um, I always take notes, and this is both for when I was in the office and now over video, um, in the first few sessions for intakes. I usually then kind of uh, taper off the note taking in sessions, although kind of sporadically we'll take notes depending on whatever we're doing in that session. Mm -hmm. um, now over video, I de I'm definitely more um, mindful about what it looks like to take notes over video, which is it mm -hmm. looks basically like I'm distracted or looking away. So if I do take notes, I still do in an intake session. And then if I want to take notes at, during other sessions, because of something that we're doing therapeutically, I always inform the client, I am taking notes. So if you see me look yeah. down or away, that's what's happening. I'll even show them my pen so they can mm. see like the, what I'm actually using. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think it's still possible to take notes and for the client, you know, to, and for it to not be too disruptive. I personally feel almost like, uh, I feel a little bit, mm, I feel more uncomfortable doing it over video, I'll say. I feel, even if I warn a client, this is what's happening and, and they're informed, I still feel like, you know, just the look of it um, does, does, it is kind of distracting, even if their experience isn't that. So I, definitely take fewer notes, but I still do from time to time. Mm -hmm. um, okay. What about you? Uh, so I uh, take notes, I type, I've never handwritten notes. Um, so I have a second monitor that I have um, set up like right above where my laptop um, stops. And so I'll have their chart open um, when I come in uh, to session. And it varies. If it's a meds patient, I've got to take notes uh, while they're talking. We just cover um, so much material. And, um, and then I need to be able to send a prescription. And so I have that right above my eye, my line of sight, essentially. And uh, I haven't had anyone complain about it, but they probably hear a light with sound of me typing. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually um, had the old Macs that had the super loud keyboard. Um, and I heard a patient using it once and I thought, oh my God, <laughs> if that's what I sound like, um, I better, uh, you know, <laughs> um, do something about this. So for therapy patients, I don't typically take notes. We're not uh, covering the world. We're typically honing in on, on one issue. So I find less of a need, but um, occasionally it comes up and it's, it's nice to have the chart open and available. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. why I go the second monitor route and um, it's not, not hard to do, but now uh, if you have a, if you're totally invested in the Apple, Apple ecosystem, you can have a MacBook and an iPad and if you have the latest operating system of both, you can use the iPad as a second screen as well oh. through over your Wi-Fi connection. So. 
that that I didn't know. That's really helpful uh-huh. information. <laughs> sure. And I've been on the fence about getting a monitor for for video therapy too, just to even have like a bigger yeah a bigger picture. But yeah, yeah, the monitors are so the second monitors are so inexpensive now, and right. they're uh, but they don't have the webcam built in at least not the inexpensive ones. Right. So I still use my laptop for the, right. um, the actual uh, visual part of it and the second monitor for the notes. Got it. Okay, Carrie. Well, this was great um, covering uh, the world of video. Um, so yeah. I really appreciate thinking out loud with you about this. I hope this gave our clinician lots to think about um, and our listeners and always uh, open to hearing feedback. And I look forward to chatting with you soon and um, we'll cover more of the world of of doing great uh, therapy and um, mental health. So thanks. Yeah, thank you. Sure, okay, talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye. Bye. If you like today's podcast and wanna hear more, don't forget to click the subscribe button. And to learn more about starting and growing your own private practice, go to luminella.com and look for the private practice hub.